0: It's number one with a Bullard, the audio edition. I'm Gabe Bullard. Today's installment, I Rocked with a Zombie. One of the greatest cons in rock and roll started in 1969. An outfit called Delta Productions recruited musicians to tour the country posing as the Zombies, the Animals, and the Archies. Bands that were either broken up at the time, the Zombies and the Animals, or were cartoon characters, the Archies. The bands played their namesake's hits and drew in fans who only knew the acts from their songs and photos on record sleeves. The scheme didn't last long. After threats both physical and legal, Delta Promotions closed up shop the following year. Delta's plan is an amusing chapter in music history a sideshow to the major live events of the time like Woodstock or Altamont. But lately, Delta's moves have become to seem almost influential. This week, Rolling Stone ran a story about classic rock bands touring with one, or sometimes none, of their original members. This is an evolution of a long-standing practice in music. Bands replace members all the time, sometimes in their peak creative years which tend to overlap with the years in which members are the most susceptible to the hazards of excess. The Rolling Stones have had hits with three different guitar players. ACDC lost their original singer and found a replacement, whose debut became the band's best-selling album. Sometimes bands add members to stay creative. Fleetwood Mac produced their most enduring records after adding Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham in the mid-70s. The Rolling Stone article, though, was concerned with bands replacing members as they transitioned from hitmakers to legacy touring acts. This happens all the time, too. Guns N' Roses have cycled through so many musicians, the band's membership has its own Wikipedia page with multiple charts showing who was doing what, when. The Temptations tour with only one member of the Classic Five, Otis Williams. Moves like this raise the question of what a band actually is. If the swap happens in a band's prime years, then fans usually treat the change as epical, because the new members change the sound or spirit of the band. The first few years of the Rolling Stones could be described as their Brian Jones years, while the years after his death are the Mick Taylor or Ronnie Wood years. The band is always the Rolling Stones, and their eras are clearly delineated. If a band is past its creative and commercial peak when the substitutions start, the question gets harder to answer. What are The Who, for example? If you listen to their classic records, I suggest starting with The Who Sell Out, you'll hear guitarist and songwriter Pete Townsend, drummer Keith Moon, bassist John Entwistle, and singer Roger Daltrey. Moon's inventive and unique drumming is particularly central to the band's sound. But Moon died in 1978, and Entwistle died in 2002. The band has made four albums without all of their original members, but they don't play many songs from those records live. If you buy a ticket to see The Who, you'll see Townsend and Daltrey with a backing band. I caught part of a Who concert on PBS last week. I was impressed Roger could still pull off the scream and won't get fooled again. And as someone who has nearly fractured their thumb attempting a guitar windmill, I'm impressed Pete can pull that off at any age. There's a thought experiment called The Ship of Theseus that goes something like this. King Theseus' boat is placed in a museum. Over time, the wood rots and the museum replaces it, board by board, year by year, until every part of the boat has been replaced with an exact replica. Is it still the same boat? If it's not the same boat, then at some point the boat stopped being the boat. If Townsend, Daltrey, and their band aren't the Who, then at what point did they stop being the Who? What further complicates this is the fact that every band is different. Some bands have one or two members who seem to be in charge, like Jeff Lynn with Electric Light Orchestra. In cases like this, some members are interchangeable while others are existential. The Beach Boys have tested which members fall into which category more than any other group. Does it matter what the pieces of the ship are replaced with? Since 1996, Moon's godson and Ringo Starr's biological son, Zach Starkey, has played drums with the band. Does that change the equation? If you believe the ship of Theseus is still the ship after the replacements, then it raises a question of what it means to be the ship. Years ago, I saw the Smashing Pumpkins play at a festival. The two original members on stage were Billy Corgan and Jimmy Chamberlain. They were also in the post-Smashing Pumpkins band Swan. The act I saw was billed as Smashing Pumpkins, but could have just as accurately been called Swan. If a band replaced every member but still toured and played the same songs, would it still be the same band? Several bands are ready to answer this question with a yes. One of them is Leonard Skynyrd. The touring version of the group currently has one original member. In the Rolling Stone article, frontman Johnny Van Zant, who's the little brother of the band's original singer, defended touring under the name of a band he didn't start and didn't make famous. Look at Ford Motor Company. He says. Guys started it out a long time ago. Somebody went in there going, okay, we got something here. Let's carry it on. You know, I wouldn't have a Ford Raptor right now in my driveway if it weren't for that." Van Zant's comments imply there's no line between the original Leonard Skynyrd and the one playing Vegas residencies and theme cruises today. They also imply there's no line between art and commerce. To be fair to this quote, you could look at a band as a business, one that sells music, t-shirts, and tickets. But that's a view that sees profit as the primary reason to make music. In this case, the band isn't just a business, it's a holding company. It manages an asset called Leonard Skynyrd, which exists to make money for shareholders so they can buy $80,000 pickup trucks like the one Van Zandt name drops. The best way for this asset to make money is to tour. Here's more from the article. Skinnerd manager Ross Schilling has done the research and seen what happens when a band from this era is no longer on the road in whatever form. The classic rock radio spins and the digital streams slow down, he says. The whole catalog takes a large percentage dip. I'm not saying the music is going to die, but it's going to lose its front and center attention once the live part stops." Maybe the answer to the Ship of Theseus question depends on how much tickets to the museum cost. And it is a museum at this point. Schilling says he's not warning that the music will die, but it's hard to see it as alive when the industry is scrambling to keep it the same as it was 50 years ago. The acts aren't growing or evolving, they're adhering to the past and profiting off nostalgia. Rock music is in its mothball stage. This stage is going to last for a while. It's been going on for so long already that the tribute acts have outlasted the originals, Almost all of the classic rock bands that are still touring are playing with replacement musicians who have been in the band longer than the members they replaced. Leonard Skynyrd has put out more records in their revived form than they did in their original lineup, and none have sold remotely as well as the original bands. There's a reason people joke about never wanting to hear the words, Here's something off our new album, at a concert. The bands aren't making new music that resonates. Someone devoted to a living art form might take this as a sign to try something different instead of retreating into safety and standards. At the center of the Rolling Stone article is the band Trouble No More. They're the work of CJ Strock, a talent agent who worked with the Allman Brothers Band. The Allman Brothers officially ended eight years ago, but seeing a market opportunity, Strock recruited a new group to play the band's music with the official endorsement of the Allman Brothers Estate. It's a new brand from the Allman Brothers Band Corporation designed to generate profits. If Trouble No More didn't exist, there would be no live marketplace for the Allman Brothers Band brand, Strock says. That means copycat acts with just as many members of the Allman Brothers as Trouble No More might seize the trademark, hurting the market for t-shirts, vinyl reissues, and what the article describes as a line of cannabis products. Central to this plan is the need to build a new audience for the merchandise. That's why Strock says the music will change, but slightly. Trouble No More plays the songs a little bit faster. It's tough for younger people to embrace something owned by their grandparents, and that's not seen as super cool. Strock tells Rolling Stone, I'm trying to take that original music and have super cool men and women in the band play this music like it's their own. This sounds less like it's an attempt to help new musicians find fans and fame, and more like it's an attempt to get old fans to forget they're seeing something new, and to get new fans to forget they're hearing something old. Maybe the branded weed will help. I don't think this is going to stop with classic rock. For one, the definition of classic rock has ballooned to include 21st century emo-adjacent pop rock like Jimmy Eat World. Check out the previous issue, Rock of Agent for more on this. Second, the Theseus bands exist on the blessing of the original band members' estates. With artists of all genres now selling off their catalogs and publishing rights, legacies will be in the hands of equity firms that expect to see a return on their investment. The question in rock music used to be, is it better to burn out or fade away? Classic rock acts are trying to have it both ways. The bands burned out in the 70s. Now their brands are back on the road, generating profits for shareholders until fading away into irrelevance. Another solution to the Ship of Theseus question is to think differently about the ship and its parts. Instead of seeing the mast as either the original mast or the replacement mast, think of it as the mast from 1200 to 2000. This means the ship is more than a collection of parts arranged a certain way. It's a collection of parts that existed a certain way at a certain time. The bands that made hit albums are not the bands that tour indefinitely. The first bands, the ones that existed before their names came to signify living tributes or human jukeboxes, are in their own time. They can't be remade, but they can't be taken away. We have records, and we can put them on whenever we want. Number One with a Bullard is written and produced by me, Gabe Bullard. Linda Golden edits the text of the newsletter and the text of the script that I read. You can find that newsletter by going to GabeBullard.com and following the appropriate links. I have a handful of stories from before I was doing a podcast that deal with things like the expansion of classic rock, the mothballing of a genre of music all that so click around in the archives if you like or if you're a new subscriber if you're not a subscriber at all hey thanks for finding this please do sign up follow the podcast sign up for the newsletter if you are or are not a subscriber please tell a friend i realize i'm asking you to do a whole lot right now um when really i should just be thanking you for being here for listening for reading if you read as well and if you do feel like you want to share it go ahead I'll appreciate it. I say appreciate like 50 times in these credits. This is the part that's ad lib. Linda doesn't edit the text of these. I just kind of make them up until I realize I should probably stop. Like right now. Have a good week. Talk to you soon.